Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Well, all good things must come to an end. (laughs) And I'm going to make this (laughs) the last and final version or issue or the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. I have been, it's been a year, over a year, so it's probably been a year, like 14, 15 months that we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and going through that. And so we've now come to an end. Um, and so maybe bittersweet for some of you. Um, I, it's bittersweet because I've, I've learned so much and I've uh, hopefully grown so much in knowing about uh, God and the Sermon on the Mount and how it relates to us. Uh, and hopefully you have as well and you've taken some nuggets along the way and um there will be a dvd box set that i take no i'm just kidding it's not <laughs> you know how they used to do have like a little cd thing going on <laughs> we're not selling them you know you can go to youtube and watch them for free you're not selling them uh if you so desire but uh i think it's probably uh i try to count them all i couldn't find them all on my computer uh but i think close to 20 19 or 20 different messages uh over the course of a year a little over a year. So praise the Lord. So um, this is the final version, the final installment of that um, series, I, I pray. Unless the Lord says something different. Uh, so I want to walk and move where he tells me to do. Uh, but we're in Matthew 7. Uh, and so like I said last time, I actually preached um, two weeks ago. And that was the final portion of the Sermon on the Mount, actually. But because I wanted to end with this, so I did um, that portion before the end. So this is going to be the end. So I did the two foundations. So I did the foundations last, the last time I preached. And now I'm going to do uh, Matthew 7, 15 through 23. And we're going to jump down and close it out in, uh, with 28 and 29 as well. So Matthew 7, 15 through 23. And it says, uh, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear Good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know or recognize them. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And then we're going to close in verses 28 and 29. It says, when Jesus has finished this sermon, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because because he was teaching them with with one who had authority, not like their scribes. The title of his message, The Fruit of Knowing God. So. It's going to be about knowing God. Uh, it starts out in verse 15 about beware of fa- being, being aware of false prophets. So false prophets in the Greek is uh, pseudo prophet, prophetet, T 
basically a false prophet. <laughs> Someone pretended to speak the word of the Lord, but is in fact a phony or an imposter, acting as a wolf in sheep's clothing. They come like a lamb, and lamb like demeanor, but inwardly are deceitful, cruel, greedy, uh, destructive men. They specialize in the art of misimpressions. So you never can pin them down. They, they, they are confusing on purpose. So if you listen to someone, you're like, well, I don't understand what they said. Some people are confusing on purpose because they don't want to let you know what they really believe. Uh, they operate by self and for self, so they must be exposed for what they are. They're not from God. So their operation is all about themselves and not about God. And they will say what the Lord said, uh, but falsely they're saying that because they never heard what the Lord said. And they will uh, co-sign evil. And they will say the Lord said uh, you're in peace when you when a person outwardly doesn't believe God and has said that outwardly. But they will say, well, God has given you peace. That is false prophecy. God is not for his enemies. <laughs> he is against them. <laughs> either for him or against him there is no in between uh, and he is not for them uh, and so Jeremiah 23 and 9, 9 through 25 it talks about false, false prophecy you can turn there right quick um, a couple of scriptures I want to just kind of point out what it says about false prophecy uh, again this is Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23 9 through 25 I have to take my glasses off like I said I got these um, old man eyes so I can't see far away, and then I can see close up. But sometimes close up I can't see with the glasses on, so I have to take them off. I need bifocals, but I refuse to get them. So anyway, uh, concerning the prophets, <laughs> my heart is broken within me, and all my bones tremble. I have become like a drunkard, like a man overcome by wine, because the Lord, because because of the Lord, because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers. The land mourns because of the curse in the grazing land in the wilderness have dried up. Their way of life have has become evil, and their power is not rightly used, because both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil. Even in the church, he says, in my house, I have found their evil. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore their way will be to them, their slippery paths in the gloom. In the gloom, they will be driven away and fall down there. I will bring disaster on them the year of their punishment. This is the Lord's declaration. Among the prophets of Samaria, I saw something disgusting. They prophesied by Baal and led my people, uh, led my people Israel astray. Among the prophets of Jerusalem also, I saw a horrible thing. They committed adultery and walked in lies. They strengthened their hands of e- they strengthened the hands of evil doers. And none turned their backs on evil. They were saying they were strengthening the evil doers, those people who were against God. They said good things about them, encouraging them to do evil against the church. They are all like Sodom to me. Jerusalem residents are like Gomorrah. This is talking about in the church, there are people who are encouraging evil. That is the true sign of a false prophet. You will know them by their fruit. Fruit, uh, the Greek word is karpos. Figuratively, it means everything done in true partnership with Christ. That is a fruit. So you will know them by what they produce. So the fruit should be everything you have done in true partnership with Christ. If you're not partnering with Christ, you're not producing fruit. It's just that simple. It says abide in me, right? You got to abide in the vine, and then you will produce fruit. If you're not abiding, you're not producing fruit. You may be doing good works. Don't get me wrong. 
there are many of us who are doing good things. They were volunteering at different organizations and we're, you know, doing good things in the community. But are we producing fruit? So if it's not led of God, if Christ didn't, if you're not partnering with Christ and as a believer, that should be what we do every day. Partner with him and being led by him to do what he wants us to do. Not my will, right? But his will is done. So if I'm partnering with him and doing these things, I'm going to produce fruit. Help us, Lord. <laughs> the fruit of knowing God. So back in uh, Matthew 7, it says, so 20 says, therefore, by their fruits, you will know or recognize them. And so then we transition into 21 and we're going to tie all this together at some point. Um, some point today. <laughs> I never knew you. To know uh, the Greek word is, uh, in Strong's Concordance is 1097. Uh, I, I think is gnosko is to know, to come to know, to recognize, perceive, to know, especially through personal experience. So this kind of knowing, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, 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 shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. So this kind of reminds me of the message last time we were talking about the foundations, how both people built a house. And they look the same, right? He said in, in the, that ending uh, scriptures in verses uh, 24, it says it's talking about the builder who built the house on the sand and one built the rock, house on, on God's word or the rock. And so they both built a house and they both looked the same. It wasn't until the storm came that you realize who house was built on the right thing, right? And so here is the same thing. It looks like, hey, I said, Lord, Lord, everyone who enters says to me, Lord, Lord, shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we're like, wait a minute. It looks the same. They look like they're doing church the right way. It says many and many may say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And you would say, well, we prophesied in his name. Have we not cast out demons in your name? You could say that we have cast out demons in his name. And have you not done many wonders in your name? Right. And he said, then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. And this is not just an association of knowing. He wants you to know him intimately, not just know about him, not just know his word and not live it out. Because we need to be doers of the word and just not hearers of the word. We talked about that as well, that we're just not hearing this word, but we have to be doers of the word. We just can't have a a. Uh, a knowledge of him at a distance. Like I know the word. And some people know the word and we study the word. But do we live the word? We have a good understanding of God at a distance. But does he intimately know us? Or do are we going to be like the ones on that day? And he will say, I never knew you because you did not have intimate relationship with me. Jeremiah 9, again, 20, Jeremiah 9, first it was when Jeremiah 23. Now we're at Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. It says, um, well, let me go back. It's to know intimately, this is the type of knowing, it's the same know that it Mary used in relationship to Joseph when she said, when the angel said to Mary, you are going to have a child. And Mary said, well, I have not known Joseph or known a man. That means she had not been intimate with a man. So how is she going to have a child? So it's the same type of no that's used here that is used in Luke 134. 
So that is a sexual intimacy, and God is saying, I want us to be so intimate. This is, this is the same kind of knowing that I want you to know me. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. <laughs> if you want to glory and understand uh, anything, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. So if you're going to boast in anything, not in your riches, or not in your knowledge, not in your wisdom, and many of you may be students and you get an education, and that is an admirable thing, but that is nothing to boast in. <laughs> many of you may go to the gym and work out and run and exercise and try to treat your body like a temple, but that is not anything to boast in. And many of you may boast in the wealth that you may have, have accumulated over the years or have been given to you by your great-grandfather, but that too is nothing to boast in. But what you should boast in is knowing him. And we don't boast in that because we don't know him. <laughs> we don't know him well enough to be intimate, intimately knowing him and talk to him. So we boast in these things, these worldly things, that the world looks at and says, oh, that's great. And they applaud us for these things. And they think we've been successful when we've done these things. But the truth of the matter is that the word is so adamantly different from the world. And what the world likes, <laughs> the word says, I want you to boast in knowing me. Not in your riches, not in your wisdom, not in your strength, but knowing me and understanding me. That's what you should boast in. We must pursue intimate knowledge of God. Not a frequent, not a Sunday morning knowledge of him, and then during the week we don't know him at all. And he, we haven't seen him. We dusting off our Bibles on Sunday morning, if we have a Bible. Uh, or electronic devices. Um, we know him Sunday, and we know him well, and we look like we know him. We can play the role of going to church. I know this may be difficult, and it's not a, a you know, a, you know, maybe it, it'll be positive. We'll get something out of it. Uh, <laughs> but um, we look like we know him, and we may be doing things that may others perceive that we know him, but do we intimately know him? Uh, we must pursue intimate knowledge of God. Philippians 3, 7 says, but what things were gained to me? And this is Paul talking. It says, what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, yet indeed, I also count all things lost. Everything, everything lost. Everything, everything you can think of is nothing for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Nothing compares. Nothing comes close to the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul, Paul said, I've lost money and fame, and I was at the top in, in society, and I was looked at in, in Roman society as a great person, and I've lost it all. I've been in prison. I've been hungry. I've been beat. I've lost it all. And I say that it is none of that compares to what I gain 
in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All those things count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which it is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know this is a recognize, an understanding, a get to know know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed in his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul was at the top Pharisee in his day. However, he lost his career, his family, his friends, his comfort, all for the sake of knowing Christ. And the question is, what have you found knowing Christ such worthy pursuit that you are willing to give up everything you everything to know him? <laughs> have you found knowing Christ such a worthy pursuit that you are willing to give up everything to know him? Are you willing to give up everything to know him? Because when you know him. You gain everything and that is and and we are so of this world and in this flesh. And I say we because I'm included in that. And and so we say, oh, well, I can't give this up. And I, I like this and I like doing these things. And God is saying, you have to be willing to let it all die for me. If you are holding back in any way, then then you're lukewarm. And what does he do with Luke? He, he spits you out. He is the worthy pursuit. The benefits of knowing God. So let me, let me go back just to, just to dwell there just a little bit longer because it's good. Um, and I, I want to challenge you uh, throughout this week when you're confronted with things that you love so much and ask yourself, am I willing to give this up for Christ? You know. Am I willing to give this up for Christ? Am I willing to give up whatever you think brings you such joy, (laughs) such positivity in your life? Uh, Am I willing to give this up for Christ? If Christ came and said, let that go, would that be a struggle for me? Would I be obedient and letting that go? Or would I say, "Uh, that's the devil. I ain't getting that for giving that up. Because that's what we'll say. We'll blame it on the enemy, right? We'll say, oh, that's... The enemy was talking to me, telling me I should give up this car and <laughs> I don't believe it. Or the enemy was saying I should give up these extracurriculars so I could focus more time with him. Cause he would tell us that, right? <laughs> hey, you're too busy. I'm so busy. You're too busy. You need to give up some of those things because you're so busy. And then we say, well, those are good things, right? I can't give up that. And they expect me to be here and they want me to do this. And so I got to do those things. So uh, that's not right. Knowing God is the ultimate pursuit. So the benefits of knowing God. Uh, one is transformation. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Put that off. This transformation we're talking about. And have put on the new man who is 
renewed in what? Knowledge. According to the image of him who created him. Whether there is neither Greek, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. He said, you are renewed, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Romans 12, 2 says, you transformed by the renewing of your mind, the knowledge, and you're transformed by the knowledge of him. And when you get to know him, then you begin to look like him. <laughs> it says, you become according to the image of him who created you, renewed in the knowledge. Uh, another benefit, and this is not an exhaustive list of all the benefits, because it may differ from each individual, and you see the benefit of knowing him. But another benefit is eternal life. Uh, John 17, 1 through 3 says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh. We're going to talk about authority in a little bit. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. That you may, that he, that, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this is eternal life, that they may know you. Knowing him is going to give you eternal life. Benefit of knowing God. Knowing God reveals our sin. The more you know him, the more insignificant you become. You realize all the self-righteousness and even after knowing him for years, you begin to peel off layers of self-righteousness and piety and, you know, I'm so much better than them because I haven't done that. And then you have an encounter with God and God says, you're nothing. (laughs) You're only what you are because of me. (laughs) And so then we scowl to our knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Isaiah 6, 5 says, Woe to me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is Isaiah, because he had met, had an encounter with God, and he realized, oh, I'm, I'm undone, because <laughs> I'm unclean. Uh, just like Peter and so many people in the Bible, when they themselves had an encounter with God, they fell flat on their knees and said, I am not worthy to be in your presence. I'm sinful when I encounter you. And so it reveals, when we get to know him more, it reveals the sin in our lives. Getting to know him also gives us peace and security. Uh, Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So when you Begin to have peace and security. If you need peace and security, get to know God. Get to know him. Um, you, you have increased wisdom is another benefit. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you begin to seek knowledge of God, you will gain wisdom from life. This fits the theme of the Proverbs, seek after wisdom, and it will bless your life. God is the source of all wisdom. So if you're wanting to be wise, um, go to school. I encourage you to do that. Um, But also seek God. It's going to make you wise. And it's important um, that 
we don't get caught up in, again, this world system and get distracted from what the main thing is. Because <laughs> these benefits are not always tangible to us, and they don't always feel like they're benefits sometimes. And so then we can say, well, the benefit of my strength or the benefit of my wealth or the benefit of my education is more important than the peace and security because we, we're making a trade-off, right? But you, and then, you know, intellectually you think, you say, well, I want peace and security. But what kind of peace and security? Do you want peace and security in your wealth or do you want peace and security in God? You want peace and security in your own strength and in your own might, or do you want peace and security in God? He can give you both if you choose him. But if you you go your way, then you you lose out on a lot of other benefits. You lose out on eternal life. You lose out on your sin being revealed to you so that you become a better person. You lose out on transforming yourself to be more like him. Another... uh, Benefit of knowing God is the multiplication of blessings. So 1 Peter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So a multiplication of grace and peace, and then also mingled in there, I think, in divine power, is all in knowing God. If you want some grace, some peace then multiplied in your life, just not singularly, but multiplied, <laughs> then get to know him. And also a benefit is a worthy and pleasing life. A worthy and pleasing life. Uh, Colossians 1, uh, verse 9 through 14, and it reads, For this reason we also, since, uh, since the day we've heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of him of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So again, the knowledge that knowing that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. And it goes on from there. But increasing, uh, you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So again, that's the benefit of knowing him. And, and again, this is, this is not an exhaustive list. So you may say there may be other benefits that you've identified in your life uh, that I may not have encountered yet or may not have identified. But the, there are benefits, and the benefits so outweigh the world and what we get entangled with. And if nothing else, he wants you to leave today knowing that uh, you have a choice. You, you need, well, you don't have a choice, but you have a choice. <laughs> that choose life. <laughs> because after this, I mean, I, I, I transpose this message, but after this, he goes into 
the foundations. So right after this, he's saying, hey, there's nothing greater than choosing the knowledge of God. That, that's what you need. And here is why that's important, because you have a man who builds a house on sand and a man who builds his house on the rock. And they both look the same until the storm comes. And the storm comes to both houses, not just one. And the storm is coming. <laughs> and where, where is your house going to lie? Is it going to drift down the river because it was built on the sand? Or is it built on firm foundation, which is him, in him? So where is your house going to stand? And, and so in closing, they're getting to the closing. Um, Matthew seven twenty eight talks about the authority. And so they were so amazed at the authority that he spoke in. And so uh, that reminded me or kind of leads to um, just getting to know God and knowing God and having him have authority over our lives. Because Jesus was speaking because he knew God. He was intimate with God. And he knew what he was doing, what his father told him to do. And you can speak with authority when you know that God has told you to do something. So I correlated to if I, you know, when you have kids, I say when you know, for some of you. And if you have them already, you probably have experienced this way. You may tell one child to tell another one to do something. Well, the child who got told by the parent that, you know, hey, go tell. They can go speak with authority because you told them. Hey, go tell your brother to cut the TV off. And so you can go tell so-and-so, say, hey, mom and dad said cut the TV off. And you can say it with authority, and you can say it with attitude, and you can say it with all kinds of stuff, because you know they told you to tell your brother to do this, right? And you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about it. And you know that if they don't do it, there will be consequences. And what you'll do is you'll go back and tell mom and dad, hey, he didn't cut the TV off. You want to go get him or you want me to get him? No, I don't want you to get him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll deal with them. But you speak with such authority when you know that you know that they told you something. So how much more do we can or should speak with authority when we hear from God and we know that he's told us? And that was new to them because Jesus was speaking with such authority. And they were like, man, he's not like the scribes. They were like, I don't, I got a word. I don't have a word. I don't know what God is saying. I don't know. What, I don't know what they were speaking in. <laughs> but that authority matters. And what he wants us to do in this earth is have authority. And so that we don't have to guess or wonder or kind of make, I don't know what God is saying, and one day I'm with him, and I'm only I'm a Sunday Christian because I only believe on Sundays, and then the rest of the week I live like a hooligan. Um, you know, I, I believe on Sundays and Wednesdays or whenever the day is for Bible study, and then the other days you don't see me. I don't, I don't know. You can't know him like that. And then you can't speak with authority in the earth if you don't know him. And then you have, and what is more confusing to the world is that you have some churches speaking this over here, and then another church may say something different over here, and then you have another church over here that says something different because no one is speaking with authority, and everyone's kind of interpreting what they want to interpret and saying, I don't know, we're guessing, and we're throwing it out there, and hopefully it sticks. And God is saying, that's not me. That's not me. I need you to know me. So that you can speak with authority in the earth. 
So just like that child, when you tell your son or daughter, hey, go tell such and such, such, they can go speak with authority because they know their mom and dad told them. What God wants you to do is go speak with authority, delegated power, operating in your designated jurisdiction. So just like in our our legal system, the police um, sometimes, um, so I'm going to tell myself a little bit. Um, so I work in Amherst County, and so sometimes I'm like speeding, sometimes, sometimes. And uh, I said, man, I can't wait to uh, get it out of Amherst and then Lynchburg. I always think in my mind, because you're crossing over a bridge in Lynchburg when you come from, uh, in, uh, out of Madison, from Madison Heights. And I can sometimes see myself like, man, if the cops were coming, they would have to, from uh, Amherst, they would have to stop because now I'm in Lynchburg and probably call Lynchburg and tell them, hey, pick this guy up who's speeding down the road. But their jurisdiction <laughs> is Amherst. And once I leave their jurisdiction, they have no authority, right? That, that authority is conferred to that area. And so that authority is conferred to you in your area, your sphere influence. You have authority. And he wants you to speak with authority in your sphere of influence. And the only way you can speak with authority is knowing him. You ha- we have to. The only way I, you know, you can know someone, I can disguise my voice and my wife still knows me. You know, I, because she knows me. You do know me, right? <laughs> Today she knows me. Um, but, yeah, you have to know God. You have to know his voice. You have to know him intimately. Not just I know of him, I know about him. I've heard people talk about him, and I come to church and hear someone speak about him. You need to personally know him so that you can hear him, and then your sphere of influence have authority to speak things that he's called you to speak on. That's it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I think we're going to do communion. I don't know who's leading that. But um, I do want to encourage you again to speak, to know God. To know him. Get to know him intimately. Uh, be familiar with his voice. And understand it. And not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And then we can speak with authority that he's conferred on us by what he's saying to us to give to his people. Let me close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this word. We pray that it fell on good ground. And we pray that our hearts are open to what you had to say today. And that we leave here changed individuals. And we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, to, to complete us. Uh, you have begun a good work in us and you're faithful to complete that Lord God and so we're not yet finished and we're yet wanting to know you more intimately Lord God so that we can speak with authority in the earth in Jesus name I pray amen thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church we are located in Lynchburg Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road you can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.